The Rough Drafts Podcast is sponsored by Unicorn.com, the world's premier esports betting site. Bet on your favorite games like CSGO, Dota 2, and League of Legends and earn Unicorns through successful bets or use Unicorn's exclusive Connect program where you can earn Unicorns just by playing some of your favorite games. Use your earnings to enter Unicorn's raffles for exciting prizes like Logitech peripherals or CSGO skins. So join Chase and Walter and prove who really is the esports gambling expert. Unicorn.com. Log on today. Hello, Internet! This is Walter Ciades Fedchuk bringing you another fantastic edition of the 2017 European LCS Spring Split Guess the Lines Rough Dress Podcast, Week 6. We've had our nice two-week vacation from the LCS. We got some League of Legends uh, that, you know, it happened. I'm sure there are a few, and I, I mean very few people, uh, impressed by the outcome and excited for the outcome. Uh, I was not one of those people. <laughs> I was rather uh, rather passive about kind of the entire thing. I didn't take my own advice and gambled on it. Uh, I only gambled on a couple games and it didn't work too too great for me and that was really my my passing interest after day two. But I know my co-host and my good friend Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar is gonna just is just gonna rub some of it in my face. So go ahead, take Five minutes, Tate, tell me why the LMS is this amazing region and it should deserve all our love and adoration. <laughs> look, look. I can't even keep a straight face. First of all, woo! Flash Wolves, I'm in, I'm in. We finally win something. Internationally, can't take it away, can't take it back. I'm in full FU mode just like you were when TSM won in 2015. Just ignore the fact that the tournament had multiple hour-plus-long delays that completely threw off everyone's timing, uh, reports of lag coming in on computers for a live event that is just absolutely inexcusable, uh, sound issues that were present throughout such that we were hearing the Counter-Strike event going on while we were trying to watch League of Legends, some of the most biased casting I've heard in a very long time. I swear, it's, it's not that hard to say nice things about Flash Wolves, guys. I know you like Europe, and you're in Europe, but it's not that hard, I swear. Oh, man, it was, uh, you know, uh, it was a cluster F of a tournament, but Flash Wolves win. And that, to me, that's got to be enough at some point. At some point, you have to look at Taiwan, you have to see the international struggles that they've had, and you have to say, they beat everyone in front of them at a tournament that really shouldn't have existed in the form that it was. I don't know why any European team or even any team in general would want to go to IEM next year after how poorly this event that, was handled. That was that was going to be my question. Was it, it was that the death knell? Was that was that the final arrow into the back? The 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 final crossbow boat at the red wedding. Was that it? Is this are, are they done? Should they just be done? It, it's well, not, but terrible. it sh- it should have been. They're going to get away with it, and they're going to get away with it because EU fans still love going to IEM. And as long as teams and organizations can make money off of sending them over to talk with fans and do all the fun booth stuff for IEM, there will be teams in Europe who will want to sign up for it. Now, if you're not in Europe and your primary fan base is not European, I don't know why you would say yes to this. That is the only incentive that I can come up with at this point in time to play in such a poorly run tournament and i think that carmack and the entire esl crew needs to just either admit that this is just how things are going to be or they need to stop filling us with these platitudes about how much they care about league of legends because we can see through you guys you're you're mr cellophane from chicago right now you are not you know we can walk right through you walk right by you and never know you're there with these excuses that you're bringing out here. I'm, I'm just tired of it. And I, it, it sucks that I can't even appreciate a Taiwanese victory in an international tournament 
because of all of the asterisks that are surrounding this event. And, you know, I, I say that, but I still do believe as we look at Europe this week, we do have to at least take one thing into account, which is that Europe as a region showed a lack of flexibility in terms of how to adapt to the meta at an international stage. It was very clear after a couple of days how teams like the Flash Wolves, the Rocks Tigers, you know, that kind of Eastern bent were going to play these games out and G2 and Unicorns of Love and H2K never adjusted. They never changed up the plan. They never did different things in pick and ban. They had nothing. And that to me is incredibly concerning. Because it's one thing to be able to scout and deal with the teams that are in your region. G2's shown that that's very doable. Unicorns mm -hmm. of Love have looked great against everyone not named G2. But multiple ways to win, finding those other win conditions, is something that I have accentuated time and time again on this podcast. And what we saw today are supposedly the three best teams in Europe didn't have a second win condition. Didn't have an understanding of when you know, a team like the Flash Wolves were going to be at their weakest because, let's face it, Flash Wolves had huge, glaring issues in the mid-game that should have been exploited and against any half-decent team would have been. But for the record, EU fans who are taking this and saying I'm being too harsh or whatever else, just remember, there was no North American team who had the guts to even show up in the first place. <laughs> so... Just remember that. Just remember oh. that North America knew that this was going to be a mess and they didn't want to embarrass themselves. So they didn't even bother to go. You got that going for you, Europe. Whoa, you got that, that was, going for that was, you. That was, that was a low blow. I, I don't take it back. That was, that was <laughs> a low blow. Holy, holy jeez. You just went right for the low hanging fruit. Well, Listen. here, you want to see low hanging fruit. I just want to congratulate Cloud9. They were so afraid of this whole Trump executive order they brought up about IEM Katowice that they made sure that their Overwatch team went home from Apex yesterday just to make sure everything was taken care of before any new travel <laughs> laws could be brought in. So good guy Cloud9, you know, shout out to them. Listen, I uh, just, I think I um, I think we're going to remember this until the next IAM event because it's going to be in the off season. There's going to be no league of legends. It's going to be, you know, almost two months after, uh, after world tour. We'll be like, Oh, well, I mean, I guess there's league of legends and you know, all oh, these, all these teams made these roster changes. Um, I think we're sheep and we're all idiots for caring about this event as anything other than like, Oh, it's a league of legends event that absolutely means nothing. Yes. Um, it, it should be like, Honestly, what they should do is they should just cram three tournaments in the preseason, and those should be our preseason games. That's It's our equivalent of preseason games in League of Legends. Yeah, but see, Walter, that would make too much sense. Much like the Battle of the Atlantic, which is the best idea that Riot has refused to use ever since. Still waiting for an explanation on that one. Yes. Oh, say la vie. Here, here yes. we go. <laughs> and, and then the other thing I want to bring up is that Carson did bring up this point about how, why G2 seems to fail on the international stage, and it's just that they... It's about, oh, well, they know how to beat Europe. Europe plays their own style, their own meta, and G2 only knows how to beat all those other teams. And I think it's very apropos that you bring up the fact that all these European teams are so inflexible, which was really weird to me towards, like, Unicorns of Love. Mm -hmm. um, and it just brings me, it, like, has a lot of comparisons to soccer or football where a lot of teams are critical of Premier League teams because they all play the same way. Or people were very critical of Bob Bradley and Jurgen Klinsmann in the U.S. and the men's national team because they both had separate identities, but they only played their identity. They never experimented. They never adjusted. They said, nope, this is how we're going to play the game. Everything's going to fit inside this little bubble, and if it doesn't work, well, it's not my fault. It's my system and the players aren't doing appropriately. So I think that's a very strong point, and I think that's actually a point that is going to hang over Europe's head because they are very, very inflexible. But I want to move on to the European LCS. There was a week five that did happen that we didn't get to talk about. So Chase, go back nearly two weeks ago at this point, and what was your up from week five of the European LCS? Yeah, I, you know, when I went back over the film, as I, I always try to do right before the podcast, the team that impressed me the most was Misfits, actually. This is a team that, at the beginning of the year, I was a little bit down on. Still had them as a playoff team. I just thought they would need a little bit more time. And their answer to that has been to just pub stomp 
basically everybody in their way. And in doing so, in the way that I kind of hinted at earlier when I compared them to, you know, Team Vitality's Spring Split back in like week two of this podcast, I want to say. But this is a team that's doing it in all the right ways. They just don't make mistakes. The fact that they got to the 28th minute against Vitality um, was just, before the first blood happened, was crazy. But it also made so much sense because they'd been able to make all of these rotations, get these towers, get these dragons, without having to fight anybody because their vision was so good, because they made all these strong rotations. And it seemed to make a lot of sense. It, it totally worked out for them. And in game two, it just gave them so much flexibility to be able to just power through them with these picks that they were able to grab because of the negative I'm going to get to later. Uh, Kakao's Rengar looks great. Alfari's Camille, clearly well-practiced. Uh, and we got to see the thing that I love seeing more than anything, which is Han Sama on Draven. You guys know I love my Draven. I love seeing this happen. I want to keep seeing Misfits play this way. This is the proverbial, you know, chokehold on a bad team, just squeezing out every inch of life from them without any opening to really punish them. And I can't wait to see what happens when they start playing the Unicorns of Love and H2K, which are, you know, the two teams that they have not played against. They're going to have to prove that they can do it against that quality of team. But if they can... I think that team has a serious shot at being a, a finalist when we're at the end of these playoffs. I really love what I'm seeing. Yeah, you know, I totally agree. I actually think that they have sort of climbed their way up into the top four of the EU LCS, and I think they can hang uh, with Unicorns of Love and with H2K. Uh, my up, I'm going to kind of steal uh, IEM a little bit because my up is G2. I think Expect has grown uh, phenomenally over the past, you know, year um, really coming into his own, really showing that he can sort of hold his own and be one of the better top laners in Europe. Uh, I think they also showed that, yes, G2 actually can win games on an international stage and not just completely disappear. Um, I thought the series, the two series against Flash Wolves were, while they weren't close, there were plucky moments from G2 where they, they didn't get completely overrun, but it was clear that they weren't good enough to beat Flash Wolves. Mm -hmm. um, so it was just nice to see on an international stage they didn't completely roll over and like only beat international wildcard teams. But, I mean, beating Kongdu and Rocks, uh, a world contender, does not make. Uh, I think, if anything, they just really solidified themselves as, yep, we're 100% the best team in Europe uh, by 2-0 in Unicorns. I think that was that was really massive. Was getting that two zero and being like, nah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that you had two you know two weeks in here to prep, prepare for this. You guys don't stand a chance. So they're the odds-on favorite to win Europe at this point. Just odds-on, and I don't think any team comes close to them. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, that's what we picked at the beginning of the year, right? There was no reason not to believe they'd continue to do this in Europe, and that's exactly what they've done. Only issue I have with this is it sets them up with a third meeting potentially against the Unicorns of Love. It's really hard to beat a team three times in one year. It's really difficult. So I'm just keep that in mind, you know, for future betting, you know, in the playoffs, the semifinals, the finals. What was your down for week five? What what really kind of depressed you? I, I get it's Europe, so it's kind of remote, like kind of depressing in its own right because <laughs> there's only four good teams. But what, what really, like, kind of, you know, sunk the ship this week? First of all, I want to say there are four and a half good teams, because I think Fnatic and Splice each count as half of a good team <laughs> when combining the two of them right now. I we'll see you. if either one of them figures that out. But uh, my down is going to be Vitality right now. And it's going to be Vitality, and it's going to be Rockout as well. I'm going to combine these, because right now we are seeing one of the most intense battles that I've seen in a long time between Irene and Grabs for who can be the worst coach currently working in the LCS. And it has been a back and forth matchup between these two for a while. And I've, I've tried to lay off the coaches because I've been a coach and I understand that it's hard, but we're five weeks in. And at five weeks, if you're Vitality, you're Irene, and you allow Rengar, Camille, and Malzahar to go over to the enemy team because you really decided that Nautilus had to be banned out? I don't know why you have a job anymore. 
That is a that is a fireable offense of a draft. It is offensive to me that that was a draft that you thought was okay. And I understand that you can do some weird things sometimes, but this is not how any of that works. And I just, I don't understand what the thought process is. I don't understand what the thought process is on any of Vitality's drafts nowadays. They seem to be a team that just sits there and does nothing and waits for the enemy team to beat them. When they start falling behind, they wait so long to initiate any sort of resistance, and it's just too late by the time that they do, and that comes down to discipline. But at the same time, I'm not sure I can say that he's the you know, most struggling coach, we'll say, in Europe, because grabs exist. And we're now five weeks into the split. I'm a Rocket fan. I love the team. Always will. But I have no reason to have faith in this organization anymore. It's just from the product that they are putting on the Rift week in and week out. What has Rocket done to show that they have grown in any meaningful way from week one? What are the signs that things are improving? What are the signs that a system is being built, that players are figuring it out, that they're getting better as a cohesive unit? Because I can't find any. I've combed over this film way too often because I torture myself with this because I love this team and I'm desperate to find something, anything that I can get excited about for the future. And there's nothing. This is a vacuum of a team. This is a team that is sucking away the talent that Betsy seems to have on the few moments where he gets a chance to do something. This is a team that can somehow just fluctuate in this, you know, is Max Lore any good? Probably not, but he's doing more than the other not very good people, so I guess that's a thing. I, I don't know what the plan is. What's, what is your ideal situation? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to Rockhead directly here. What's the plan? What are you building? What are you getting fans to buy into? What is the thing that I'm supposed to look at and say, I am glad that I am a Rocket fan because this is in place, and even as we're struggling, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. What's the light? What is the thing that we I could point to? I don't know. And at some point, that's a coaching problem. Because both of these teams are defined by an inability to make decisions that will win you a game and at this level of play that is unacceptable and you know i could say this about origin too i'm gonna say a lot of things about origin later because they are trying a very radical approach uh the toaster approach 2.0 is in play here depending on whether you believe the rumors that were leaked today but you know, at least there you could say, well, we knew that team was going to be bad. We knew that there were management problems. We'd heard all the rumors from last year. We knew that this roster was a combination of players that weren't necessarily impressive. But Rockad and Vitality shouldn't be this bad. Rockad, you could argue, should be bad, but they shouldn't be this bad. And I, I don't know. I, I need to see something from both of these teams to spark any sort of light or confidence that they have a future in the EU LCS that is promising, that is something that fans should be able to rally around. And I think both fan bases have a lot of reasons to be upset. I, I'm certainly upset. I think that's clear right now. So, you know, I'm I'm not upset because I, I've, I've kind of staked my flag and unicorns love this split. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're, they're my, my down for, for this you know, past two weeks for IEM and for week five. And it's not a, like, they didn't do anything bad. They didn't have anything super, super egregious like you're bringing up with Rocket and Vitality. And I feel like it's kind of the mindset and the feeling that I've gotten from the International Unicorns of Love fan club, from looking at, you know, post-match on Twitter, on Reddit, from, like, people tweeting, mm-hmm. is it's, like, this genuine disappointment of where they felt like they were there. It was like it was like the Sacramento Kings against the LA Lakers back in the two thousand early two thousands, where you were that you were one rung away from climbing over them, and then all of a sudden they just dash your hopes and dreams twice in two weeks and just say no, sit back down, kids, like sit back down. It's a young team in its core, uh, you know, with Xerxes and with Exile, they're young. As much as I love Chachi and Hillasan and Cheapy, there are always these kind of couple weeks where sometimes they slip out of 
you know, they slip out of their form and they aren't playing as well and the pick and band seems a little weird. Mm-hmm. I know that's just what happens with the Unicorns. I still think they're probably the second best team in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have to give them a down because it just, it, they didn't put up much of a fight against G2. And it's just pretty disappointing. I still have faith. I still feel confident. Like I said, it's hard to beat a team three times in one year, you know, in a season. So I'm still kind of confident if they run into G2 in, in, you know, the playoffs that maybe they can, you know, pick off a couple games or even win a series. But just after the last couple of weeks, I'm a little disappointed. Not as disappointed as I am by the fact that you are up six to four on me in our guest alliance challenge. And still not as disappointed as I am that we are still down money in Europe. It's disappointing. We were down money in Europe last year too. We just can't like we just can't really figure out Europe. And, Look, and we're we're trying, it, guys. We really are. It's it's not our fault that there were literally no upsets last week, except for the one that I called in my power rankings on LCS Predict. I don't know what to do anymore. I mean, we got Misfits minus 114 to get the two over Vitality. That yeah. was great. But yep. that was a minus odd. And the only plus odds that had any value to it were Unicorns of Love over G2. And yeah, unfortunately, they were one hit away on the Nexus to forcing a game three, and it just didn't happen. Um, not that they yeah. ever should have been in that position in the first place, for the record. They, they should have been able to close it out multiple times beforehand. But here we are. Uh, sorry, guys, we're trying. <laughs> so so now we're in week six. We're officially past the halfway point in Europe because there are ten weeks for some inexplicable reason. Hi, this is your public service announcement from Walter. There are ten weeks in the European LCS season. There are nine in the North American LCS re- season. Why? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I want to use an expletive. <laughs> I know, but you know. So we're going to start out. Yes. With your up from last week mm-hmm. and my down from last week, Misfits versus the Unicorns of Love. Mm-hmm. Two teams that seem to be trending, you know, even just slightly in different directions. Misfits have been on quite a tear recently. It seems like everyone on that team has sort of figured it out. We got to see Draven from Han Sama, which, by the way, if you remember, I said, if you put Han Sama on a carry, AD carry, he might be the next forgiven or double if. Well, would you look at that? <laughs> would you look at that, Chase? You put him on a carry and he carries. Hey, remember when you said that Cody's son was a really promising AD carry talent in the challenger scene? Because I do. I remember that. That was fun, too. <laughs> I blame your, your, your rooting for immortals for the Cody song stink. You're not totally wrong. Blame on you. You're not totally wrong. Blame on you. But, <laughs> but yeah. I think the real linchpin in this misfit success has been Kakao. Yeah. I think Kakao has, has really sort of impressed, has really kind of started to shed the shell of like this LSPL, you know, on vacation in China, just retirement, you know, having fun. And I'm, I'm starting to see the cacao of old. It, it, it's starting to shine through some of the muddy, you know, crust from the, you know, wilds of China. Chase, you, you kind of have a grin on your face. A- am I wrong? It's, it's not that you're wrong. I mean, first of all, my grin is that this Misfits team is as much fun as it is. And this is a fun team to talk about. And I am excited to kind of, you know, break this down because to me... Kakao is one part of this for sure, but the two pieces that I found have really made an impact and have stuck around in my mind are Ignar and Power Vival. And Ignar, we kind of knew, right? When we saw them in the Challenger scene, this bot lane was the big thing that everyone talked about. And I, I made a joke about you and, and Cody's and uh, Cody's son or whatever else, but in all reality, Hansama was on another level. Everybody should have been able to see this coming, and you did see it coming. And we, you know, as a whole. This is everything I wanted to see from it. When you talked them up, this is what I wanted, and it's been so much fun. Ignar's Nautilus support was beautiful. It shouldn't have been banned in game two, mind you. doesn't excuse what Vitality did, but it was still super fun to watch. The guy just lands every hook. He seems to have this innate sense of, ooh, can I get this guy? Perfect. I'm going in. We've got this looked down. I'm going to hit every skill shot. He's just so laser focused when he has that opportunity and Han Sama does such a great job of following up but Power of Evil is the guy that was the big question mark I think for both of us going into the split and he has been incredible (sighs) holy moly I mean this is better than he was 
when we thought he was in his prime on Origin good. Like, this is a, a guy that, uh, you know, or, or not Origin, on uh, Unicorns, Unicorns of Love. It's, I was going to yeah. say, I never thought he was in his prime on Origin. No, on Unicorns of Love. My, my apologies. I, I'm, getting, uh, I'm looking ahead at the schedule, getting ahead of myself. Uh, when, it, when on Unicorns of Love. And this has been the most fun I've ever had watching him. He seems to have a very good sense of how to, you know, doesn't necessarily bully out the lane but when it comes to the mid to late game he is as good a carry as any mid laner right now in europe i believe he has the highest uh the highest kda of any mid laner in europe yes he does it's a whole 6.8 right now second in case you're curious is perks at 5.3 that is massive gap right there and it's because misfits doesn't make mistakes they don't die very often. When you look at the kills per death, they're currently leading Europe in 1.75, but it's not because they're killing a whole bunch of people. It's because they don't die. They don't get caught out. They don't get punished by teams very often. The fewest, fewest deaths in all of Europe by 52. It's insane! 52! Almost 50% less than... Like, it's ridiculous. And it's made their early game so brutally strong. They have an early game rating right now of 69.8. That means 69.8% of the time, they're likely to win the game just based off of their early game alone. That's insane. The second closest, in case you're curious, is H2K at 61.3. These are two monstrous advantages that are so far above the rest of the league. And it's it's very interesting when you think about how those strengths are going to compare to Unicorns of Love strengths, because I'm not so down on Unicorns of Love as you are right now, mostly because I didn't think they were better than G2 in the first I'm, place. I'm not down on them. I'm I, not down on they, them. They were your down for the week. I'm I, just disappointed. That's And that's totally fair. But I have a feeling that if I'm going to be disappointed in them, it's going to be from a series like this, because Unicorns of Love are going to have to show that these tempo plays are not just caused by the enemy making mistakes, right? That's what we saw against G2, is that when there weren't openings, when G2 didn't make these huge mistakes that Unicorns of Love could easily capitalize on, or get, you know, get towers more than just kills, or, you know, get other objectives rather than just these, you know, little incremental differences, <clears throat> Unicorns of Love stalled out. They ran out of gas at some point. And... You know, I don't want to, you know, game two against G2 uh, in week five, we can take that off the table. That is as close to an either or game as you're ever going to get. But the other three losses were legitimate losses because Unicorns of Love did not have that extra path when G2 didn't present an opening. So the question this week is, how does G2 start uh, or how does Unicorns of Love start getting that tempo advantage back? How do they start forcing these trades on a team that doesn't get caught out in that way? That's going to be the interesting part. I think it's going to come down to drafts. I think Sheepy has to have a plan. You know, there were we speculated before IEM that maybe there were some pocket picks that they were hiding. Mm-hmm. Nope. Better have something this week because otherwise you've played your hand pretty clearly and Misfits are going to be able to game plan around it. They're, they're good enough as a you know coaching staff and as a team in general. They're going to be able to handle what you've already shown. So it's going to be being inventive in how they do pick and ban and it's going to be finding every little opportunity possible and forcing those opportunities by having a superior vision game. Um, it's not, it's not going to happen. So, so you bring up the vision game, and I know last week uh, we talked about uh, Unicorns of Love towards. They're still at the bottom. They're yeah. at 2.81. Uh, Misfits aren't too much better, they're, but they're almost half a ward better per minute. Mm-hmm. Um, Ignar can get caught out sometimes. I guess maybe that would be your your potential pressure point of where you want to make plays but right i don't think they're i don't think the unicorns win this series i think misfits are too smart i think they're too safe and that's really been where unicorns of love has has shown most of their success has been taking these these mistakes that opposing teams are making and jamming it down that team's throat mm-hmm. they they snap that trap and they pull that arm it's the old moscow five style where you you know you give them a finger they're going to rip the arm out of the socket Mm-hmm. They just are that aggressive. And when you just sit back on your laurels like Misfits and like G2 has done to them four games in a row and just go, try it. Where are you going to do anything? 
we're not going to let you. We're going to ward everything up. We're going to play really safe back in our lanes. Where do you make a play? And really force Unicorns of Love to get into this really nitty-gritty, meticulous, okay, where do we find this one pixel that we can sneak into that there's no ward coverage? I just I don't think the Unicorns of Love are that cohesive and that intelligent yet. I think they can get there, but they're on the downswing. Misfits are on the upswing. And coming off of a tournament where you really didn't show much, you didn't really show much oomph, much magic, much pop, I think I would take the, the you know, the guys with the hot hand. I think I want the hot streak if I'm if I'm a, a gambler. Go ahead, tell me why I'm wrong, Rope. I will say this. I'm not gonna say you're wrong because I think it's very much in play. I think it's gonna be a very close series. I will say if you're gonna look for one example, uh that of a, a way in which Unicorns of Love can find some openings, mm-hmm. it's gonna come down to Xerxes. Xerxes right now is playing like the best jungler in Europe from a mechanical sense. It's hard to quantify the effect that Trick has on the team from a shot-calling perspective, but Xerxes has an 8.7 KDA. That's insane! That's insane for a guy that's been as proactive and on a team that has been as kill-crazy as Unicorns of Love have been. He knows how to make plays. He knows how to get out and counter jungle properly and, and make sure that he's not exposed in the way that Maybe a visit Chachi or Samux in particular, I think, is going to be the exploit that Misfits are going to try to take uh, because Samux has just been uh, weirdly behind in farm. I don't know if, if you've noticed this, but I've been looking at his farm numbers more closely recently after uh, it was pointed out on the International Unicorns of Love fan club. And he is behind in farm in basically every game. But Xerxes is not. Xerxes is a guy that knows how to get ahead and consistently gets ahead. And if he does and forces cacao to be on the back foot well suddenly the map starts feeling a little bit more open suddenly you can try to help the bot lane which right now seems like they're in a a negative position maybe you focus on getting visit chachi ahead against a rookie top laner and as good as how far he is he is still a rookie he can be baited into overextending in lane from time to time this is that's going to be their path i don't know whether they're going to pull it off or not i'm hoping we're going to get some value off of misfits I'm going to say the line is Unicorns of Love minus 175. Yeah, you say Unicorns of Love is, is minus 175. Just one point on Samix. Please. He does actually have the highest CS differential at 10 with 9.2. Next closest is Ven at 7.6. Huh. But, but, he is sixth in CS per minute, and he is last in gold percentage. And what that gold percentage share is telling me is that the Unicorns of Love stop letting him farm yeah. and they put it on to on to chachi and they're putting it on to exile so sometimes stats can be misleading i can come in and say oh but he has the highest you know cs differential of 10 he's not having trouble farming well let's go to later game statistics and they do show that i don't think it's samix is bad i think it is a conscientious decision by the unicorns of love to say we want our resources on these two other players instead yeah. and when you're playing utility carries you really don't need uh, a whole lot of gold. You just need to be able to, you know, press your R button. You said unicorns of love at minus 175. I, I said unicorns of love at minus 155. It is even odds. Minus 114. Okay. Even odds. Okay. I think that's disrespectful to unicorns of love, but I also don't feel confident enough to gamble on this right away. I, I want to see what the rest of the lines are. Because we might not be able to find any value anywhere else. But that is an astonishing I can almost guarantee run. you we won't be able to find any value anywhere else. So. Yay! <laughs> Welcome to Europe, everybody. <laughs> I uh, It keeps us on our toes in all the worst ways. But, yeah, I mean, Unicorns of Love constantly kind of underestimated by the casinos. I do think that this is a 2-1 series. I just don't know which way. It's going to be very, very interesting. We'll have to come back to this. What's up totally, next? totally justifiable. Next series, the uh, only team to successfully take a game against the Flash Wolves at IEM versus Fnatic. <laughs> oh, boy. I mean, I know where I'd be putting my money, Chase. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be the team that took one game off of Flash Wolves and might have the best player in Europe currently. Well, and it's interesting because H2K are a team that everything we see about them says that they should be exploitable, right? This is a team that has 
one way to win a game. Step one, get Yankos ahead. Step two, use Yankos to get someone else on your team ahead. Usually Nuclear, who's been incredibly good, but also Oduwamne and Fabivan, depending on the composition. Step three, win a team fight. Step four, <laughs> win the game. That's their plan. That is so their, the and same so plan. There, there's a dot, 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 and then step five, profit. Like, it's so, somewhere in there. But... So the same plan from last year, but instead of forgiven, it's Nuclear. Sure, yeah. Interesting. It's almost like H2K is an organization with a clear system in mind, much like the kind of system that Unicorns of Love and Splice uh, owners have brought up when they've been on our podcast. And it's something I do respect about H2K. They have a system in place. It is a system that can work. But it is not a perfect system. And it is a system that, on the international stage, whenever Yankos was not able to get ahead, this team struggled. This team is clawing for little bits and pieces whenever they're put down. And that's what happened when they played against uh, Rocks Tigers in Group A. They should have won that group. We talked going in. If they didn't win that group, that would be a pretty embarrassing performance from H2K. Well, guess what? They didn't win the group. That's a concern to me. I think that it, it exposed that international teams are going to be able to play around it. But Fnatic's not there yet. Fnatic's but, not close to there but, yet right But now. can I just say, I think H2K is the best equipped to play outside of Europe. I think that their play style, and they, I think that they have the best ability to shift slightly out of their, out of the European play style on the international stage. I think G2 and Unicorns are just too rigidly set into their play style. But I think that H2K has some gift to them. They bend. They bend a little bit. It's not perfect, obviously. If it if they really truly you know bent in the wind and you know was a piece of grass and just completely folded over and adapted, they probably could have beaten Flash Wolves. But like there was, there was a little bend to them where they were like, okay, like our play style is good enough, but let's add these tiny little nuances to it. Oh, that's what got us over the top. That's what did get us that one game against Flash Wolves, and then Flash Wolves just adapted that much quicker, and you know. Put him down. The way I would put it is that H2K has the most eminently international strategy of the three teams in, that, in Europe fair. that we're currently considering. I don't think that they're necessarily more flexible, but I think any team that says, get ahead in the early game, snowball the lead, win a team fight, like those are universal concepts when it comes to League of Legends. What they have are the tools that do that on a pretty consistent basis against teams that are worse than them mm -hmm. against teams that are better than them they'll get frozen out which is what happened uh that does mean that it's much closer to a pure skill competition or you know those tiny little advantages than it is for g2 or unicorns of love where people can say oh well that's your system well that has a very clear counter rather than well we just have to play better than them uh, mm -hmm. that's kind of, I guess, the difference I would say. But Fnatic isn't capable of doing either of those things. Fnatic right now is still fully in rebuild, retool, re-whatever-you-want-to-call-this-whole-thing mode. Uh, Broxa is mechanically talented, but just hasn't quite assimilated into the team yet. Soaz is still really talented, but just as much of a drawback as he is an advantage. Caps is still getting way too much pressure put on him. Reckless is still being relegated to this point that isn't making the most out of his talents, we can say. And some of that's meta-dependent, certainly. But he has had some great moments where he's shined, and they just haven't really played around that to the extent that they necessarily should. They're, they're very focused on getting Caps in the mid lane going because that's traditionally the power position right now. But if your roster doesn't match where the meta is, you have to make the meta work for you. Isn't that why we praise Sheepy all the time on this podcast? But Nico the Pico isn't a guy that's really done that. And he, you know, there are positives and negatives about that. I think in this particular matchup, H2K are just too top to bottom solid in their current iteration compared to Fnatic. You still have some questions they need to answer within themselves. I think Fnatic has to be feeling good about this if they look better than they did against Splice. They don't have to win this series to feel like they're moving forward. All they need to do is have an upward trajectory heading into the playoffs, and once you're there, never discount Fnatic in the playoffs. It's they, they are an organization that has done this before. Certainly didn't happen last split, but history says that they're capable of it. 
I want to see that upwards trajectory. That's what I'm going to be watching for, much more than I would be watching we, for a victory. We need to understand that this is not your your grandfather's fanatic team. I don't think history has anything to do with them. It, I'm not staring at a fanatic in the playoffs because they're fanatic. I'm not. I might be a little nervous because it's Soaz, and if Soaz actually gives a blank, then <laughs> he can be one of the best players in Europe. Mm-hmm. I'm but. This I, I don't have fear stricken into me like oh my god like they could back oh my god the famous fanatic death push like Xpeke and Soaz are gonna backdoor me like I don't have those kind of nightmares with fanatic uh, just like I'm not really too worried about this series for H2K where did you find the line Chase uh, I had H2K at minus two forty I feel like this is pretty definitively theirs to lose I had H2K at minus two fifty it's H2K minus one eighty five hey I get so, one. You get a point. Chase, I just want to bring something up here. Uh, the H2K uh, 2-0 is at plus 165. Ooh, I like that bet. Just want just to throw that out there. H2K 2-0 plus 165. Okay, I'm writing that down to come back to later. Don't worry. I also wrote down uh, two maps. Uh, to go to three maps in the Misfits Unicorns of Love series is minus 105. Didn't bring that up earlier. But okay. just said, said you said three maps there. What's minus- uh, Fanatic's underdog odds? Uh, Fanatic is at plus 140. Got it. Okay. Not going to touch it. That's, yeah, not no. That, that's interested. not enough value. Um, uh, another game I'm not remotely interested in. Pretty much the remaining four on this week's <laughs> schedule, which I want to point out something very interesting when we get to Saturday. Uh, but to start, we have G2 versus Vitality. Chase, why are G2 going to completely roll over Vitality? And what would be Vitality's path to winning a game? Well, one of these organizations is one of the best-run EU LCS teams right now, and one of them is Vitality. I, I think that it's it's pretty, you know, it seems pretty straightforward for me right now. You know, Expect has been playing out of his head. I feel 100% justified in the hype I built around him earlier in the split. He has been getting better every week. Uh, Perks, despite losing uh, at IEM Kadavica, ultimately, did win the MVP of the tournament, which I think was... Maybe not necessarily uh, fair to Maple, but I do think he was probably the second best guy there at that tournament. Uh, I was really impressed by how he played. Sven and Mithy are not necessarily playing to the level we'd expect, but AOD is Vitality's support. And for everyone who was wondering, hey, why did they move Nukeduck to support rather than playing AOD in week four? Well, we've seen week five. Now we know. Now we know why that didn't happen. And... So Steelback, I think you've learned a very valuable lesson, my friend. Don't sign a contract on day one of free agency, you bleeping moron. (laughs) Are we good? Whoever your agent is needs to be fired because he is a goddamn idiot. I I think that Steelback is probably Steelback's agent. From what I know about esports in general, I I have a feeling that uh, that might be the problem there. (laughs) Steelback, uh, you're a goddamn idiot. Yeah. Well, he That's played for Rocket, so we kind of knew that already. But, you know, the self-deprecating humor keeps me going. I had G2 minus 600. I had G2 at minus 600, too. Uh, it's G2 minus 1250. Fair. So, uh, so we split that. And, and, folks, that's not the highest line of the week. That's oh. definitely not the highest line of the week. Come on, don't worry about it. Our next game, <laughs> the second game on the docket for Friday, Splice... Versus Giants. Yes. I know we did. You know, I'm just... Giants are bad. (laughs) They're bad, but they're a much more fun bad than Vitality, right? Can we just take a moment to acknowledge that Memento, like, is just this Jekyll and Hyde. Is he going to be terrible, or is he going to be the only good part of watching this game? You never know. Game one last week, uh, when they played against... Uh, H2K, Memento played great. Game two, he looked like a guy that wouldn't play in the EU Challenger series right now. It keeps things interesting. You know what else is interesting? Knight's continued attempts to try to be an LCS mid laner, because he certainly isn't looking like one in his current form. He's, you know, this is a team that has the same philosophy of Unicorns of Love, which is, we have to go for kills, we have to make these plays, we have to get a tempo advantage, except they don't, they, it's like they got the Unicorns of Love textbook, and it was missing the chapter on t- 
towers and dragons and barons <laughs> and insert name of other neutral objective here. <laughs> they just have no idea. It's it's amazing because you could see these games like against H2K, the kill counts were very close. In fact, for a lot of the game, giants were ahead against H2K when it came to pure kills. But the difference is H2K got kills and then got a tower or two. Giants got kills and then sat on their hands until H2K came back so they could try to get more kills again. And that's a huge concern to me. It's this thing... And despite <laughs> all of this... Yeah. Despite all of this, I think they take a game off of Splice. Probably. Splice is not... Splices, I'm, I mean, I'm glad they beat Fnatic. I thought they, they would. I'm still not sure what the plan is long-term right now for this roster. Trashy is not doing anything to help this team achieve a win condition. I like you, Trashy. I was a huge fan last split. I thought I was so happy in summer when you so came together. So out of meta. Yeah, but in he's not even seemingly attempting to adjust it's it's one thing to be trying to play what's in the meta and being bad at it but it's it's like he genuinely doesn't understand why the meta is the way it is he's just not adjusting and you know Kabi's been playing very well and in a meta in which the ad carry was a stronger position that would be more meaningful but it's not and so much weight is then being shifted to send cucks and even in games in which he's doing well you it, you very rarely feel like he's the best player on the Rift at any given time. If ever you feel like that. it's He seems like a third fiddle at this point behind Wonder and Kabi, and that's not what you want in a very mid-centric meta. I'm I, very concerned about how this team is built in the long run. There just doesn't seem to be enough I flexibility like, there. I feel like the only time I've ever gone Splice has the best player on the Rift is against Rocket and... Against Origin? Have they played against Origin yet? Uh, I'm looking had, that yes, up right now. Yes, they played against Origin. Yeah. They 2 owed both Rock at and Origin. Congratulations. Uh, Dream big, guys. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's the only time I've ever felt like they have the best. Like, even against Giants, I feel like Knight is probably still the better player on the Rift. Mm, that's, that's tough. Knight has had a... I, I just want to remind people, uh, Knight has a 2.0 KDA. He has a 57% kill participation. He is... Uh, He's behind in gold and uh, experience at 10 minutes and uh, uh, CS at 10 minutes. His CS per minute is fourth worst, only ahead of Nukeduck, GBM, and Nahune. And since GBM's only played three games, we shouldn't really count that. Uh, he also just is the second lowest in terms of damage per minute. So he's not killing people. He's dying a lot. He's yeah. not helping his teammates achieve those kills. He's not winning lane, and he's not dealing damage in the late game. So, so what is Knight doing? What what, what is Fair the enough. point of Knight being on the rift Fair at this enough. point? I I have I have huge huge problems with the step back that he took. It's why I recommended the trade that I did in an episode you guys are going to see uh, later on this week. It's next, next well early next, next week, week, yeah. Early next it's, week. It's it's just this is going to be a tough game to watch. And even if Slice does have the best player on the rift, it's going to be questionable how much of a difference uh, that's going to make because it's all in the wrong places at the wrong time. But, you know, the thing about being a meta-dependent roster is that things can always change. We'll have to keep watching them and see, you know, how things shift from here. But for now, I think that Splice are favorites, but I don't think they should be heavy favorites. I have it at Splice minus 300. Oh, you silly, silly boy. Apparently. It's Splice. Uh, I said Splice minus 450. It's Splice minus 588. Okay. No love for the Giants. Not I mean, I'm not going to defend the Giants. Uh, Giants Gaming has, uh, has worn out any sort of uh, sympathy I would have for them at this point. At least they're going to make it an interesting game. Unlike, you know, a Vitality or a Rocket or an Origin that will just sit back and let you win, they're going to do some things to try to throw Splice off. I think it's very possible that this goes to three games, but I don't think Giants have the talent so, and so the understanding needed to take it out. To, to put it this way, they went, they lost to Fnatic, but it was one to two. Yes. They lost to Misfits, but it was one to two. Uh, they beat Rocket, but it was two one. The three games, uh, the three series that they lost 0-2 were G2, H2K, Unicorns of Love. Yeah. I think there is a chance this goes to three maps. Uh, three maps would be at plus 150. Ooh, for this we, we might come back to that one. We, we definitely might come that. back to this one. And it brings us to our last two games. 
Okay. We can rapid fire these, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we definitely can. But it also, I need to point out something. Please. Since week one, if we don't count week one, Origin and Rocket have played on the last day of the LCS every single week besides week one. It's... Right before the North American LCS starts on Saturday. So... Yeah, how strange. Yeah. What a weird coincidence that is. It's yes. almost like Riot, uh, you know, I'll say this. Shout out to Riot. It's one of the better marketing decisions they've made. I got to give them credit where credit is due. I wouldn't want to watch these guys in prime time without leagues, uh, without games coming up right away either. And I'm a Rocket fan. Yep. Like, this is just not... It's kind of, it, it's very interesting when you look at how North America is so tight towards the bottom where you're looking at like five or six teams, all of which you could say they could be playoff teams, they could be relegated. It wouldn't really surprise me either way. And then you have Europe and the bottom two are just so, so rough. And unfortunately, the bottom two this week, they're playing good teams. Uh, Origin this versus Misfits. versus Origin. Yeah. Uh, I... <laughs> Anything to say about any of this? I mean, I, I will say this. I, I want to address the rumors. We do not know. At the time of this recording, it has not been confirmed. So take this with a grain of salt. But the rumors are that Synchroff, the current jungler of Basconia, is going to be replacing Wisdom, potentially, in the jungler uh, position. And we're going to see Xpeke move into the mid lane so that Nehune can play support. And the Synchroff thing is complicated mostly because there seem to be some disputes between him and Basconia Esports as to how this contract works and how he was released. It seems like he doesn't really want to play for Origin is how the press release made it sound. And we'll link to that in the episode description um, if you want to read it for yourself. The Spanish League has suspended him, so clearly they've picked their side in this whole matter. I, I don't know positive or negative. We'll have to wait and see, but... Moving Nehune to support to put X Peke back in the mid lane. <laughs> Wouldn't it make more sense to just make X Peke a support and just have him play Karma and Lulu and other Meiji type supports? What's what's the point of this? Ooh. Why why do we believe that a guy who hasn't played professionally in the mid lane for over a year is gonna come in here and be a valuable listen, starting member of this listen. team? So so he is uh, he is trying to become the absolute worst owner in esports history. And to be fair, he's got some shoes to fill. He's got to catch up to Brian Cordry. Yeah. Um, he's got to catch up to some other people. You know, he hasn't made threats against players, their houses, their drives, like anything like that. But like stupid moves like this, like trying to force a player to play for your team when he didn't want to be part of your team is just like. Happens in the NBA all the time, and, like, the guy doesn't play. He just refuses to play. What are you going to do? You're going to go drag him out of his house and force him to go on the LCS stage? Like, no. Yeah, maybe you threaten his mother. That's a strategy that we've I mean, seen before. I, I I, just, this is It's this a mess. Is this yeah. is such a level of incompetence that I'm, I'm just not surprised by Peke, like, like, being like, oh, you guys think I could be a bad owner? Hold my beer. Here I come. <laughs> like, great. You got a Gillette sponsorship uh we notice it's a personal sponsorship it has nothing to do with your organization so yeah that was interesting huh i i mean honestly the weirdest part of all of this is how not weird it feels like any other team i would have read that press release and said oh my god what the hell is happening but we've been saying that for five weeks about origin anyway like, this is just <laughs> par for the course. I'm almost surprised it didn't happen earlier. I'm almost surprised Toaster isn't involved. Has someone called him? Did they try? Probably, right? It's in play? No. At least if you were Toaster and you saw Pecky's number come up, you'd be like, oh, hell no. Oh, I didn't say Toaster would answer, but I bet Origin called. Like, that's I'll that's where we are at this point. I, I mean, I have Misfits at minus 1,200, and the... Insanity of this gambling line is probably more likely to be interesting than the game itself. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our highest line of the week. I said Misfits minus 1500. And with that, I'm going to take the week because, ladies and gentlemen, it is Misfits minus 3,333. Do we got to get another MLG air horn in this one? <laughs> 
I did no, remember I to do it for the uh, audio version last time around, so I feel like I, I will. I did too. I did, I did it too last <laughs> time. I don't think this. I don't think Origin deserves any extra effort on our part That's because true. they aren't putting the effort into actually being a successful esports franchise. Yeah. So Peke, I hope you take that Gillette razor and you shove it someplace dark. I'm going to put it this way, guys. Uh, LCSPredict.com, you guys should be able to see my power rankings for Europe by now. Uh, if you want to see my full thoughts on this Origin thing, go check it out now. I promise it won't take long. You'll be back in like 20 seconds. Trust pause. me. Just pause right now. Just yeah. pause. Go read it. In Welcome back. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about our very last <laughs> game of the week. Yes. Uh, Unicorns of Love versus Rocket. Any anything of interest to say, Chase? Uh, Grabs, if you want to prove me wrong, show something here. I, anyone from Rocket, I I understand I was really harsh early on. I would love to be wrong. This is what happens when I watch this team flail week in and week out. It, it's anger-inducing. I I'm frustrated, and I want you to give me some hope. Do something, anything. I'm not asking you to win the series. I'm not asking you to win a game. I'm asking you to give me some reason to believe that things are better than they were in week one. Any reason. Any plan. Weird count, weird pick and ban phase. Do some weird pocket picks that no one's ever heard of. I don't care what it is. Play Heimerdinger. Play Shaco Jungle. Play Shaco. Play Jarvan Mid. I don't care. Even if it's a bad idea, at least you'd be attempting something. So, so Rocket is screwed because Unicorns of Love are going to lose to Misfits. They're going to be on this losing streak, and they're going to take it all out on Rocket because Rocket is a terrible, terrible, terrible team that makes a ton of mistakes. And Unicorns of Love are going to be like, "This is exactly what we needed to get over this losing streak." Thank God for Rocket. I, uh, you know what? You could have ended that sentence Rock uh, with Rocket is screwed. Could have just stopped it there. Could have stopped it there. No, no, I'm an other. analyst. I have to actually explain my views. Like people don't just come on here for me to say platitudes. That, like that's fair. I have to actually back it up. Chase, put your money where your mouth is. Where do you see this line? I mean, I've already lost the week, so I'm just gonna say it should unicorns of love minus eight hundred. It's not gonna be a close series. Yeah, you guessed. Uh, you guessed Rockets odds. Rockets are at plus eight hundred. Oh. Uh, I said unicorns of love minus fifteen hundred. It is unicorns of love minus two thousand. With that, I cement your devastation. I take the week, and uh, I'm feeling pretty good because now that means that I'm only down one point. Yes. I'm going to have to step it up in NA tomorrow, clearly. But uh, let's do some smart money bets. I think the two best value bets would be H2K plus 165 to get the 2-0. Yep. I like that bet quite a bit. Uh, do we want to, I mean, there isn't any clean underdog we'd want to take, right? No. And I don't, like, we could do Unicorns and Misfits to go to three maps, but that seems, that's always, it's a terrible bet to, to make, right? It always feels weird when you have two teams that you believe could win a series outright, uh, and then you have to bet for them to win one game and lose the next is just always, uh, it's a, uh, it's, it's always a weird feeling. I kind of feel like it's going to be more fun to root for Giants to win a map and force it to go to three against Splice, because at the very least, who knows what's going to happen there? But Chase, we need to make some money back because we're down three hundred dollars. Okay, what is more likely to happen? Misfits and Unicorns of Love go to three games, or Giants and Splice going to three games? That's fair. I, I, my only concern is that Misfits could win game one and Unicorns of Love could just fold. Because and Splice could win game one and Giants just fold. Like. Giants, yeah, that's that's fair. Okay, let's do the I'm, I'm, minus I'm, 105 just, to three maps for... That's that's absolutely fine with me. I'm, I'm just more confident in, in Unicorns of Love having the backbone to actually survive a, a game one loss. And of course, Unicorns of Love are just going to 2-0 misfits this week and reassert themselves as the second best team in europe and we'll all be like ah silly walter why did you ever doubt us and i'll be like i am so sorry yos i am so sorry (laughs) i apologize for my moment of weakness but that's a podcast uh so if if i know it's europe and we aren't we haven't been doing great but we've been like we've been like one for one the last couple of weeks so our smart money bets this week in unicorns of love versus misfits take the three maps uh, take it to go three maps. That's minus 105. 
And then H2K versus Fnatic. Take the H2K 2-0 at plus 165. And then don't bother watching the European LCS the rest of the week. It's just not going to be fun. Mm. It's just going to be terrible. As it is pretty much every week of the European LCS. Because there are four teams that are just garbage. And not enjoyable to watch. Other than for like the drama that appears around them. Hey, just remember that you said that when we get... Clown Fiesta 2.0 in Rocket versus Origin next week, which is, as of right now, slated for a primetime Thursday game. I love it. It's going to be just, that's the game to put on display, Riot. Shout out to you. Uh, and if you want to see me making more of this, uh, if you enjoyed what you heard and you want to talk to me more about anything I said on the pod, at uh, RedshirtKing, I'll be processing my, uh, my grief uh, over Rocket throughout the rest of the split and uh and i love talking to you guys so definitely uh come on uh and hit me up there absolutely and you guys can follow me at c80s underscore lol you can follow the podcast at rough drafts pod and make sure you do go and check out lcs predicts where my good friend chase redshirt king wassner does do his weekly power rankings and our good friend steve kaffmeyer has been you know came up with this model basically to predict who wins games and I've been using it. I've been using it when I gamble on the unicorns and Steve hasn't been, hasn't been letting me down. So make sure you go check that site out and uh, come back tomorrow where we're going to talk about North America. And boy, we thought the origin drama was, was a little interesting. Well, I have a rousing, rousing speech that can only be summed up as general Lee's, surrender to the union troops at the end of the civil war so steve make sure you're watching tomorrow until then bye internet hey there c80s here thanks for checking out the podcast and if you enjoyed today's episode consider supporting us at www.patreon.com backslash rough drafts pod For just a dollar a month, you can join your fellow listeners in our patron-only Discord channel and help keep the content coming, or join our VIP club, where a dollar a show, or eight bucks a month, gets you first priority on all patron content, like our patron-only Q&As. And check us out on all of our social media, Twitter, at RoughDraftsPod, Facebook.com, backslash RoughDraftsPod, SoundCloud.com backslash esportsroughdrafts, as well as on iTunes and YouTube by just searching for the Rough Drafts Podcast. Thanks for listening, and goodbye, Internet.